Both of you met your first week at Wharton Business School at a welcome event wearing the exact same black dress. So was it love at first dress for you? <laughs> it, it, it was. Uh, at first, it was, a, it was a little bit awkward because it's, it's always, you know, as a woman, it's, it's awkward when you show up wearing the exact same thing as somebody else. But, but we quickly moved, moved on and got past that. Welcome to the Amore Podcast. I'm Larry Gilbert. On this episode, I talked to Dory Galkin-Smith and Emlyn Northway, co-founders of the fashion label of Mercer. Their story starts with their first meeting during the first week of Wharton Business School at a welcome event, wearing the exact same black dress. Laughing over the initial awkwardness, they immediately bonded over their shared appreciation for the one go-to confidence-inducing professional outfit. Though the pair never had a fashion background at this point, that's the industry that would capture them and set them on a lifetime path for success. For Dorian Emlyn, having worked in consulting and finance for years, they knew that there had to be a better way to get dressed for work five or six or seven days a week. The solution was simple. Create a dedicated workwear brand with a bold, modern aesthetic to take women where they need to go. And so, Of Mercer was born. Since launch as a direct-to-consumer brand, the duo have opened a flagship store at 42 East 21st Street in the Flatiron District of New York City. They've been featured in Forbes, The New York Times, Inc., Red Book, and People, among many other publications. So here's my conversation with Dory Galkin-Smith and Emlyn Northway of Of Mercer. And uh, so how did you guys come up with the idea? Like, at what point did you talk about business? I mean, obviously, you guys were both wearing the same dress, but... You know, how did, how did a business and a fashion, let alone a fashion business, come about? Yeah, so once we sort of, you know, got, got past that moment, um, what, it, what really dawned on us when we, when we were talking about wearing the same dress was that um, this was the one dress that each of us had, had come upon after, after years of working in finance and consulting. This was the one dress that we felt like was the one thing we wanted to wear that was office appropriate and stylish and pretty much the only thing in our closet that, um, that we really wanted to wear. And we sort of realized how strange this was, given that we were we were wearing work clothes five days a week. Um, and what we realized was there really was not a brand that was catering to us as working women. Um, brands were either you know pushing things that were not office appropriate um, on us, and really just didn't understand what it was like to be working in a corporate environment where you wanted to be stylish and office appropriate at the same time. Um, or they were they were catering to to someone that had a much higher budget than, than we did. So we were sort of forced to pick between designer brands and and more uh, like low low low, fa- low fa- fast fashion um, low cost brands. And we really knew that we needed something in the middle with our budget. So uh, how did it then evolve into a business? I mean, I know you had the idea, but what was the first like tangible thing you guys did to to start this business or pursue it? Yeah, so after we sort of identified the problem, we realized we, we had a, a whole group of 500-plus women that were with us at business school and wanted to make sure that we weren't the only ones. So we did a lot of initial focus groups and surveys and really talked to everyone we could to figure out um, what the heart of the issue was and uh, to make sure we, we weren't the only people with this problem. And turns out we were not. Um, so after we got that initial feedback, we decided – uh, we this is definitely a problem. We need to solve it, and what better way to solve it than to start making clothes? So we, Dory and I, actually decided to do what we call the beta line, where we um, designed five dresses and decided that was going to be our test, our our test phase. And if we could get these dresses made and 
um, get a good feedback, get a good reception to them, we were going to go ahead and, and, and launch full-time. And at the beginning, it was all just e-commerce. So at what point did you then want to evolve into a brick-and-mortar um, store that you have in New York City and, and branch out into that? And at that point, you know, I, I think an e-commerce business is one thing, but having a brick-and-mortar, did it, did it add like a whole new element to this thing being real? Um, and at the same time, has it helped you guys branch out and be able to target maybe a demographic that wouldn't necessarily find you online, but that would definitely come in and, and browse your store? Yeah, I, everything you said is absolutely true. So when we were uh, e-commerce only, we, we really were focused on the product development aspect of it. So we launched the company. We, we had grown more than the five dresses that Emmeline and I originally had launched with. Uh, we had about 20 SKUs when we launched the website. Um, and then for two years, it's really built up the product line. So built, we started with dresses and blazers, and then we introduced more separates, knitwears, tops. Um, and then we started kind of trying this in-person store thing. So we would do pop-ups in Target City. So, for example, we do really, really well in D.C. Uh, it's a conservative city, and women still love to shop. So we would do pop-ups there. We did some in Boston and some in Philadelphia. And what we saw, and of course in New York, um, what we saw there was conversion was so much higher. Women loved seeing the product in person and understanding the quality. Um, they could try it on. They could figure out what their size was, which is, is a struggle with women shopping online, um, especially with the inconsistencies in the sizing. Um, and it kind of gave people this opportunity to get to know the brand in, in a real way um, as much as we want to be an identifiable brand on a two-dimensional computer screen. It's really, really hard. So walking into a space, um, getting to know the brand in person, the people behind it, kind of what the energy is, what we stand for, it, it helped a lot with conversion and as well as brand loyalty. So after two years of being e-commerce, we decided to launch our first store uh, right here in New York City in the Flatiron District. Um, and it, it's been amazing for the for the business. Um, we get a lot more traffic um, to the website just by having a store. So often we'll get press about the store and then someone will go to the website and say like, oh, look, great new store in New York, but too bad I live in San Francisco. But now that I kind of know that they're a legitimate business, um, I'm going to shop with them online. Um, and this whole omni-channel marketing works really well. So we'll do promotions in store versus online and get people kind of thinking about us all the time um, in whatever mode. Um, and one of the things you actually asked about was about if the demographic changed and, and we, we have seen yeah. it, it grew. Um, our our in-person demographic is a little bit older, um, and I think that's not actually that surprising because women um, who didn't grow up <laughs> shopping online feel very comfortable shopping in store. So we've seen that a lot um, as well, which is just great and helps us kind of further build the brand and make sure that we're targeting all with working women and, and all their needs throughout their life. And all the clothes are designed and made in America. So how important is that to you, making sure that it continues to be made in America? And do you feel any pressure from competition? Yes. I, th I mean, I think one of the things that's really important to us about being made in America is being able to stand behind our quality. And we're, um, we have five factories in, in New York. And, you know, we're, we're, we're there every day checking on um, the, the progress of things and making sure there are any issues and um, really making sure that we understand the people behind our factory and who's making our clothes. Um, so that's something that we, we don't feel like we can, we can do that unless we, we, we stay here. Um, and that's something that's been really important to us. I think from a, from a composition standpoint, um, we're, we're, we're finding first that uh, 
competition in our civic space in the women's worker market for us is actually a good thing and shows that it's 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 really an area that's being underserved and it's, 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 it's in demand. Um, and I think if there is competition from a pricing standpoint, um, you know, by, uh, by by other companies, then um, we're, that means that they're not serving the same quality that, that we are. Um, and so I think that's something that being made in America and, and made in New York is something that we'll, we'll always win on is just that, that high quality um, craftsmanship factor. And uh, how did you guys come up with the name and settle on it? Did you have some other ideas or, or how did that come about? Yeah, well, I won't tell it to you, but we had a name that we actually operated under for a few a few months during the beta that you know we kind of laughed at ourselves for now. But um, we we love this concept, the direct to consumer concept, and and the idea that we were providing women directly with this with this high quality product. So uh, a mercer is an old English word for a textile distribu- distributor. Um, and we love the idea of being this modern-day mercer to these women. Uh-huh. Um, and the of kind of came because of this movement that we wanted around women, of women demanding more. So we we are all women of mercer um, standing together and demanding more out of the brands and the services that we, we rely on. Okay. And what advice would you give uh, other entrepreneurs that may want to follow in your footsteps? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we, we can we can probably both answer that. But I think um, one thing is is definitely jump in, but also know what you you know know what you don't know. Um, and I think one of the things that that you know Dory and I did really early on, which was great, was jump right, jumping right in and and getting clothes made however we could, and and just getting out there. And I think what we realized through that process is that. Um, while we knew what, what we wanted and we knew we were able to, to do that, we needed somebody on board who actually um, had a more significant design background and had actually gone to school for it. So we, um, upon launch, we actually hired, um, our first hire was uh, uh, our designer who was still with us, Asia, who had gone to Parsons and had that skill set that we didn't have. Um, but I think it's something that we, we probably wouldn't have known that she was the one we needed to hire um, if we hadn't, uh, you know, gotten in there ourselves early on, we had had, had people tell us that we needed to hire a CTO, um, that should be, should be our first hire. Um, but I think it was, it was, it was getting our hands dirty and realizing that, uh, okay, that, that wasn't our skill set. We need someone who was trained for that. Um, and I think it's, it's really the only way to do it is to recognize that, um, as soon as you can. And what's the one thing that you love about the company or that you guys do? I mean, does it feel like a real job for you now? Or, I mean, obviously there's some pressure from running the company, but um, do you ever like pinch yourselves and think, wow, I can't believe like this brand, you know, is, is our own brand and, and our own product and, you know, and it's real and this is our, this is our livelihood. Yeah. I, truthfully, it feels a lot like a job. Um, it's a lot of work being an entrepreneur, but there are definitely some moments when we, it's important to really step back and see what we've built. You know, we, we didn't have anything when we started and now we have this big brand with over a hundred SKUs in this store in New York and all these women, um, who are big fans, and I think that's what kind of you know gets us the most excited when we get these emails about how we were outfitting women for their big presentation and they couldn't have felt better, or that they've been searching for a brand. We got one this morning about a woman who just had twin boys, and she said going back to work was hard for a lot of reasons, but it was especially hard that she couldn't find clothes that really were working for her and made her feel great. She was wearing cheap clothes, and she found us and brought bought about 15 pieces. Um, and she said, now she finally feels comfortable being back at the office after her maternity leave. And that, like, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't get old hearing stories like that. And it, it makes us, it really validates that this is a problem a lot of women face and, and that we've come up with a solution to it. 
and maybe you guys have talked about this before, but if you could dress any celebrity or influencer, who would it be and why? Oh, that's a great question. I think one. I think I have to go with um, Michelle Obama. She is just someone that we've we've always had had the itch to dress. She really stands for like everything that we stand for as a brand. Um, she shows her personality, her femininity, um, but in a, a very classy, um, powerful way. And I think she's yes, she's she's probably our answer. So Michelle, if you're listening, <laughs> we'll send you a dress. <laughs> and maybe now that she has a little more time on her hands, she may reach out. So you never know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's um, regulated now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, uh, thanks so much for doing this, you guys, and uh, I appreciate it. And best of luck to you and all your future success with the brand. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us here. That was Dory Galton Smith and Emily Northway of the fashion label of Mercer. To check out more on Of Mercer, you can visit their official website, ofmercer.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Of Mercer. For previous interviews, find Amore Podcast at amorepodcast.com, and on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and however you get your podcasts. Please subscribe to the show and tell us what you think on iTunes. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Amore Podcast. If you love the show, tell your family and friends. If you have an idea for a show or someone you want us to profile, you can send it along to us on our website at amorepodcast.com. Until next time, I'm Larry Gilbert, and this is Amore Podcast here on amorepodcast.com. All right, and uh, last question. Do you guys still have the same black dresses? And if so, do you still wear them? I don't wear mine. It's now what we consider a year. A competitor. So oh, okay. I avoid all right. it, but. <laughs> that's true. Have have you created a? Uh, and now we now we make better versions of it. Yeah. Okay. Exactly that's just so. what I was going to ask. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>